Hello and welcome. Hi. Oh, I'm not talking to you. Talking to me. Mm, That's embarrassing. I've actually done that before too. Yeah, it's getting old, Phipps. Yep, you gotta think of new jokes, new things to say. (laughs) Not a comedian. Welcome to week five of this <laughs> bonus episode series. We're really good at making those transitions. Um, today's question is, what do you think are the main reasons we aren't able to multiply small group leaders in the church? That's a big question. <laughs> yes. So, uh, hey, before I even try to tackle a question this big, uh, thanks for asking it. We are wanting to serve um, disciple makers, people that have given their lives to try to help other people experience the power, the love, the transformation of Jesus in their life, and to see that multiply, multiply it on out. And uh, so, I mean, that's our mission. We, yeah, disciples made, we multiply fully alive followers of Jesus. And, uh, this podcast is set up to help you actually do that, to kind of tap into the conversations that we're having, the learnings that we're learning, the experiences that God is throwing our way. And, um, this question right here is, um, it's going to make me enter into one of those things we prioritize in this podcast, which is just harder conversations. Um, what are the main reasons we aren't able to multiply? I'm going to come right at that question. You are able to multiply if you use the proper skill sets. Um, and uh, it's it seems as if a lot of us want to multiply, that we know that that's the goal. We know that Jesus set that model. We know that Paul asks for four levels of generations in our multiplying of disciple making efforts. We know it's the standard. It's not getting done and asking the question why there's just no way to honestly answer that question without this being uh, at least a mild critique of how we are doing business. So, um, Uh, We answered this in a way of going, we were people that didn't know how to multiply. We backed up and said, that's a hill we will die on. I remember saying that because Jesus prompted me to. This is, you will either succeed at multiplication or you'll quit and you'll go into the marketplace. It's basically the kind of conviction level I had around this. So we want you to win. We want you to step into multiplication. We want you to step into a level of multiplying influence that you may have never experienced before. This podcast is for you if that's what you want. And I hope that what I share over the next little bit in this podcast will actually help you get there, not indict you. So hope you can hear that heart. We're for you. We want this for you. We want this for the kingdom. Now, this question is absolutely loaded. It's worthy of a live conversation, and perhaps that'll come someday. But here, I believe, is one of the primary reasons. Reason number one, we're looking for and asking for the wrong thing when we look around our current groups and ask who here could lead. I believe that there's four C's we need to look for 
and individuals to determine whether or not they can become a leader. And one of them is not competence, but that tends to be the one thing we look for. Now, in Jesus' group of 12, (laughs) I wonder who the most competent was, who had the best resume. There is a shot that it was Judas. And if that's the case, then that's actually how I started this whole recruitment into inviting people to step up and lead their own small group is I just confessed to Jesus. I am looking around my group and I'm thinking which of these people could be leaders. And I didn't see that any of them had the competence to lead. And, uh, and I said, I need help. Show me what to look for in these people, because I would probably pick Judas every time. And he gave me four characteristics to look for. The first one is consistency. Are they there regularly? The second one is, are they developing character? Are they developing character? Do you see the fruit of the spirit growing in them? They don't have to be perfect. But they need to be making progress to disciple others. They need to be growing in a disciple-making process. There's two other C's that we look for. And if you are interested in knowing what those two C's are, that's part of the training that we provide. And if you want more of that training, you can certainly uh, request some coaching there at the podcast at disciplesmade.com. We love training people and figuring out how to do this. But the primary reason... We're looking for competence before we look for consistency, character, and two other criteria that are critical to invite people into that. So that's one primary reason. Second primary reason is I think we lack conviction about this thing called multiplication. You're probably on this podcast because you have at least a measure of it. Uh, and maybe you have such a measure of it that you're, that has launched you into the practice of it. And if that's the case, that's awesome. Most of the people uh, follow a pattern that I did. I'd go to a conference or read a book and I would be convicted about it, but I lacked the investment or the know-how to get there. And that's the reason Disciples Made uh, is who she is. We figured it out. We cracked that nut and we're trying to make resources available to help people get there in a way that supports them and helps them thrive in that process. But, you know, and and if, and just if, if the resources are there to do it and we're not doing it, and we've experienced a level of conviction, the conviction just hasn't gotten far enough to push me to make the investment of time and energy and resources to actually multiply. So we're looking for the wrong thing, perhaps, which is a skill set. Uh, we might be lacking conviction that actually motivates us to make an investment to do it. The other thing that I would say goes alongside of that is that Jesus' leadership model is absolutely upside down for most of us. Um, Jesus says things like, if you want to get, you need to give away. If you want to uh, you know, gain your life, you got to lose it. It's upside down. It's a, it's a crazy mindset. And most of our churches, quite honestly, specifically after COVID, uh, have a scarcity mindset. We only have so much, so we need to hold on to what we have. Well, Jesus' leadership model is completely inverse to that. 
Um, if you start a multiplication process, you run the risk of assuming that your your uh, leaders that you raise up might lead and go somewhere else. Or if you're leading a small group department, they might uh, find out that their calling isn't with small groups at all. It's more with a family ministry perspective or some type of inner city uh, effort. And if that's the case and you're not willing to give it away, you just won't multiply. How do we break this thing? How do we start to live out of an abundance mindset from heaven instead of a scarcity mindset? I think it's going to take people who are gifted with faith, who are just going to start to do the things that are required and trust God to show up and meet that particular need. So that's another thing. All right. I know that's a lot. Um, going to keep going here with several of these things. Uh, if you need to just take a break, <laughs> get you a drink of water and, uh, and then just push play, um, here in a few minutes here. Here's another one. I just believe our goals are too low in general. Uh, there's a lot of people that I've talked to that think participation in the church activities is the goal of discipleship instead of particular outcomes like character and calling or fruit of the spirit and gifts of the spirit. And, um, and I think as a result of that, we're just afraid to ask more of people. If I could have a dollar for every time people said, I, I could never get my people to sign up to read the scripture on a daily basis. I could never get my people to, um, commit to a six month, much less a 12 month experience. I could never get my people just fill in the blank. Well, that kind of mindset is just absolutely backwards. We have seen, it has been demonstrated to us time and time again, that people are wanting more out of their lives with Jesus and everything else in their life says, if I want more, I have to commit more. Now, if they're perfectly satisfied uh, being hurried from one thing to the next, barely able to manage their lives, much less lead and live their lives, and they don't want to change, then you're probably right. They're not going to commit to anything. But if they perceive that there is a gap between the life they are living and the life they believe Jesus lived, died, and was resurrected and sent his spirit for them to be able to live, then invite them. Invite them up. Invite them into a more fulfilling experience. And they know that if they want to lose weight and be fit, they got to go to the gym. They got to make the sacrifices. They know if they want a really good car, they have to pay more for it. And they know, and basically what I'm saying here, they people know that if they want good things, they need to make a big investment in it. And the same is true spiritually. We've said that you can become a disciple in four to six weeks. And uh, people have tried it, and they've tried it over and over and over again, and they, they realize the, the, the benefits that come out of it. And I think people are believing and feeling that the church has overpromised and underdelivered with a lot of our disciple-making experiences, and they're looking for more. And we need to have those goals higher for people and invite them with confidence up. I, need, I believe we also uh, don't multiply... Um, because we don't believe in ourselves. Um, you know, if you want to multiply disciples, you're basically you're multiplying you as a disciple maker. And if we don't have a lot of self-confidence in what uh, Jesus has done in and through us, not because of anything he's lacking, but what we've lacked on our own commitment, then I think that's one of the big things that's holding us back. And that may be, that may sting a little bit. 
Um, I remember feeling that uh, 10 years ago going, I don't even read scripture consistently. I, I don't even uh, journal regularly. So how could I possibly invite somebody else? I don't have somebody that I'm personally investing in outside of the faith. How can I, you know, help hold people accountable to that? And then all of a sudden those questions became irrelevant. Those were things I was going to absolutely commit to so that I could multiply something that was uh, meaningful. So basically what we've gone over so far is that maybe we are looking for the wrong characteristics in leaders. Um, and so we are not giving certain people a chance um, well, to become leaders. That's a great way to say that. That could, um, with the right um, training, be incredible leaders. Um, so we're looking for the wrong things. We need to transition and go more into Jesus's upside down model of serving instead of I know all this information and I want to be the leader um, we need to say how can I take these people and make them wiser and smarter and better leaders than I Mm. Um, and then we need to trust Mm. and not let ourselves get in the way Mm. of what God wants to do man that's great ask people the worst they can say is no yeah. But it's better for them to say no and make that decision for themselves mm. than to you never even give them that opportunity in the first place. Yeah, one of the things we say, Hannah, just sorry, is don't say no for people. Yep. We've been saying no for people way too long. Yep. Anything else you want to add on why you think we aren't able to multiply small group leaders in the church? Yeah. Uh, this last one, I'm, I've hesitated on it on whether to not to even share, but I think it's critical. I think it's important. Uh, we kind of hit them in season two when we were talking about COVID. Uh, but I'll just kind of come off, um, pretty straightforward here with these. I think that there is a primal structure to how disciple making experiences, uh, roll. Uh, and there's a financial model that's in play in the church that actually, um, hinder, multiplication. Um, the primal structure is one that we adapt early on. We don't even see it necessarily, but we adapted early on just because of the educational system. We grow up, you know, going to kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, whatever, all the way through. And, uh, there's a teacher and there's students. And, um, if you go to seminary, it's very much the same thing. There's teachers and there's students and you work through, you get the information that you need and then you're done and you go out and you do your thing. And so we basically take that primal structure that has a bunch of seats pointed at one seat or one chalkboard. There's one, um, there's one expert and there's a lot of people learning from that expert. There is no multiplication in that. It isn't the goal of a teacher to reproduce teachers. It's the goal of a teacher to inform and train students so that they can figure out what they want to do and go do it. Um, It is the goal of a disciple to multiply disciples that will multiply disciples that will multiply uh, disciples. So there's this primal structure that I think is in the way. We see disciple making as a two-generational model, teacher to students. We don't see it as a teacher that or a disciple maker that invests in a disciple as they invest in a disciple that are investing in disciples. 
that it's it's almost like every generation that I went out further beyond that. It was just it's just hard to see. Uh, there's a great book out there by Scott Wilson that we use in our cohort training process called Ready Set Grow, and in there he gives a great model for multiplication. He tells his staff, "You guys are workers." And over the next 12 months, you need to quit being workers and you need to be equippers. And the only way to move from being a worker to being an equipper is to raise up people that do the work that you equip. And there's a there's a beautiful value uh, trade that happens between people that are equipping people and in this disciple-making uh, process. And, and we've got to get used to that. But that's not normal. Our primal structure says that there's a teacher and there's students. But Scott Wilson in that book helped his staff move from being workers to equippers. And then he said in the next year, we're going to move from being equippers to multipliers. Well, how do you do that? Well, you, uh, you were a worker at, at phase one, and you learned how to do uh, the job. Uh, in the second year, you learn the skills that it takes to recruit people to do your job, and you equip them, and you have this team together, and you have this joy together, and you're growing together, and you're becoming more fully alive people together. And once you've done that, these people that uh, were n- not previously engaged but now are engaged can actually equip others the way they've been equipped. You've modeled it. And once you start to take the people that were workers and help them become equippers like you did, you are now a multiplier because you're multiplying the equipping of people that equip other people. And then all of a sudden you've hit four generations. But again, that's the goal, but it's a hard goal to get to because we typically don't see things that way. And the business model that uh, is associated with that is one, you know, in the marketplace, you want to train your people to be awesome people, but you don't want to train them so much that they actually become your competitors. That's a real dynamic. That's a real tension. But in Jesus' economy, that tension doesn't fly at all. If I raise you up, like I wanted to raise you and your brothers up to be way better people than your mother and me. And it's hard to beat your mom, not hard to beat me. But, uh, you know, I see you nodding over there and smiling and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's true. We've always wanted that for our kids. We wanted to be better. But that's a different mindset. That's a kingdom mindset. That's an abundance mindset. And so we need folks uh, to in the church to, to, to think that if you actually raise up somebody that's better than you and might even compete with you, then the kingdom wins. And that's the mindset we need to get. I just think it's hard uh, to get there. It's going to take people of faith to get there. And those are the kind of people that we want to help. Those are the people that we want to advocate for. We want folks who want to multiply disciples who aren't constrained by these things to hold them back. Um, Those folks need tools. They want to process And we are stepping up here at Disciples Made to provide those tools, to provide that process so you as a disciple maker can actually help people do that. We've been sharing with you that we're in the process of developing a new and more powerful app that will allow us to create an unlimited supply of tools for churches and normal people to disciple anyone. Of course, this is a huge upgrade. Uh, And it's going to be very effective in helping you and others develop lifelong habits that will help you live fully alive. We're making a huge investment into this, and we need your financial support to be successful 
in this massive, massive upgrade. So in the program notes, I hope you'll click the link to our donation page. Uh, you can make a one-off uh, donation there if, uh, if you want. You can also make a repeating, recurring contribution. We would love for your partnership in that. That would be extremely encouraging to us. And if you're interested in investing more significantly into this 501c3, uh, email us, podcast at disciplesmade.com, no S, podcast at disciplesmade.com, and we'll send a, an opportunity, a calendar, to try to get a meeting set up with you to hear more of the details about what we're doing to upgrade these tools to better equip you, the disciple makers, and multiplying disciples around the world. So thank you for that. We look forward to hearing from you. Anything Mrs. Wellborn by the time this comes out? Anything you got to add? She can't say a word because her eyes are smiling too big. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, next week, for our last episode of the bonus episodes, we will answer the question, who influenced you the most? Did someone disciple you? And what were the most critical discipleship growth steps in your journey? We will see you next week for the final bonus episode. We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.